Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, I'm, he- I'm here sat at home, <laughs> obviously. Uh, I've got a nice glass of red wine next to me, actually probably one of the better ones I've had for a little while, so um, that's quite nice. Of course, we've, uh, we're, we're facing another period of lockdown and in all honesty, it's probably going to be a little bit longer than, you know, than that as well. Uh, I think we're being eased into this situation, if you like, and I do recognise that we're um, you have to be led by the medics and the scientists, etc., on what to do. But um, what's been on my mind, I guess, a little bit is um, I've had a few exchanges with a few people over the last week or so um, around the topic of well, there's kind of two related topics. Um, in as a property investor and developer, we should always be ready ready for the opportunity that uh, comes our way. Uh, I call it you know, readiness, basically, just you know, making sure that we are ready to go and to proceed with a project or a development or a property deal if it should land in our lap. Now, of course, we're in difficult times. Um, things are restricted. Financing is limited. You know, People can't go and do visits and uh, surveys and things like that. But at the same time, there are going to be people who want to move, who need to move. And, um, you know, if a, if the right type of uh, property deal comes about, then we should be ready for that, just as we would at any particular situation. It might be that we need to be ready in a slightly different way right now. So, for example, trying to complete on a, on a transaction when you can't actually get financing, you know, could be quite tricky, for example. So um, that led me on to thinking about uh, working with investment partners. Uh, whether that's private, you know, debt finances or joint venture partners from a more equity point of view. And um, I guess that's one way of getting ourselves ready. So if we don't necessarily need a traditional mortgage or, or any other kind of traditional financing facility, it might put us in a better position to perhaps proceed on an opportunity should it come our way. Now, um, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, in when people are suffering, that we you know, should be focused on the wrong things. But I am saying that we need to keep the wheels of industry turning. Some of the forecasts for you know, gross event, excuse me, GDP, let me say GDP, are um, a, a little bit grim for, the, for what will be Q2. But there is you know, projected to be a bounce in Q3, Q4, and into next year as well. So in other words, a short, sharp shock, as I've been saying, and then something of recovery. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. But the, the situation is that we need businesses to be successful, to be able to employ people, to be able to pay taxes and so on. So equally, people need, need somewhere to live. So we are looking, obviously, to fill some of that void. Um, in my own case, I'm trying to counterbalance you know, parts of my income stream, which have maybe taken a bit of a, a, a backseat, let's say, or <laughs> more than a backseat in some cases. And, uh, and so we need to counterbalance that, of course, you know, to be able to get through this period. So there could be, um, you know, projects or opportunities that could emerge, not necessarily right now, but soon, let's say that. So I think it's going to take some time for 
the market to sort of, you know, the property market to, to sort of sense or, or, or reflect more likely, you know, what's been going on over these past uh, couple of months, really. Um, but, you know, we should put ourselves, get ourselves ready to act. So um, being ready is one thing. Perhaps using private finance, whether that's debt or equity, is another thing. But what I really wanted to focus on for the latter part of the conversation is really working with um, those private investors. And I think some of the conversations I've had, actually, the feedback I've got when I give my um, impression has been somewhat surprising. Um, and let me explain. So, for example, I've raised over £5 million worth of private finance, predominantly in the last few years, actually. And um, it's quite a lot of money, at least to me, and uh, it may be not to, to some, but uh, considering where I came from, you know, in, in terms of where I started, it's a lot of money. So I raised over £5 million worth of uh, private finance, as I mentioned. Now, if I tell you that the majority of that um, funding has come from three people, uh, predominantly, um, so the significant majority, above 80%, has come from just three individuals over, over that period of time. And that's the piece, I think, that's you know, shocked people that I've been speaking to about this. And as we delve into this, what we learn is we don't need a lot of relationships to be able to fund our business. What we need is the right types of relationships and quality. And um, we're, not, we're not always a good fit for everyone. And I think that's an important consideration. So in terms of, um, you know, this is the holy grail, isn't it? Get private finance or of, of some description, and then you can you know, undertake any property project with relative ease. Um, but, you know, it's, it's considered the holy grail, but it's, you know, it's, it isn't necessarily going out and mass marketing and trying to attract lots and lots of different people to work with us. And that's my key point, really. So what we need to do is project ourselves in the right way and in the right communities to reach the right people who are going to work with us. And so obviously I talked about three people and those three people actually I've grown very close to over the years now that I've been working with them, as you might imagine. Um, but of course, it's a business relationship or an investment relationship first and foremost. And I take that responsibility very, very seriously. And I think that's part of the reason probably why I'm working with those three people, because I do. Um, I will put them ahead of myself, for example. I will put you know, some examples of that is I'll do extra due diligence on a deal that they're involved with than perhaps I would be involved in. Um, it's, it's it, you know, I think it's just going the extra mile, really, to protect their interests. I always seek to understand what kind of risk appetite they have, risk profile they have, what kind of security they might need. Um, they rank, The three people I'm talking about are quite different, actually. Uh, in terms of their risk profile. So what works for one doesn't necessarily work for the other one. So it's really a case of understanding their needs, understanding their issues, and then really fitting and matching the, the projects and the funding you know, structures that um, I'm looking at to, to those needs. So that's very much um, at the heart of what I do. I think the other thing is really just making sure that we are thorough and diligent in the way we approach them. So we, we should you know, have our... Um, a sort of a deal pack or a development pack in order. We should have all the facts. We should have independent, you know, corroboration of, of our data. It's not just an opinion. Uh, we should get market st statistics. We should get professional opinion to support what we're saying in terms of our development and um, financing projects or, or property projects rather. So I think, you know, there's, there's, there's that kind of it. The, the, so we're talking about the relationship side of it. We're talking about the numbers side of it. 
We're talking about due diligence. We're talking about security and structure. And um, of course, we've got the risk and reward trade-off as well. So, you know, at the narrow end of the scale, someone who wants minimal risk and maximum security is probably not going to get the right, the, well, the same level of return uh, potential. And I'll use that word deliberately as somebody at the other end of the scale who perhaps is um, not necessarily that, you know, they're looking for more return, let's say, and they'll compromise on um, on some of the security and the risk level in order to get that sort of return. But of course, it is a compromise. It is a trade-off. So I think it's understanding who you're working with, understanding the project, being um, professional in how you prof- um, put things forward, understanding that uh, that partner, and, and making sure there's a good fit. So um, in other words, Going out and just broadcasting, and this is where this comes about, because I received an email, uh, I think it was late last week, from uh, someone who was basically pitching me for an investment. And that's fine. Uh, They were pitching me. They heard that I invest in businesses, and they they sent me an email. But but here's the thing. I didn't know who they were. (laughs) Uh, They knew me uh, because they, well, they they knew of me, let's say that, because they listened to my podcast and things like that. So they knew of me. Uh, and I got this email pitch and, you know, it, was, it went into a, a level of detail in terms of the narrative in the uh, email, but it, it didn't have very detailed uh, what I would call a business case to justify the uh, proposition that they were putting forward. And this was really curious to me. It's like, how can you just email someone? And um, if I tell you some of the detail that that individual was looking for me um from a first email <laughs> to fund, I think it was 140, was it 160% of the uh, purchase price of a business they were going into. And in return, they're offering me 25% of the equity. And there's just so many things about that I could talk about. Um, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, I shared some of the lessons actually over the last uh, over the last week. But you know, first of all, do they know I'm an equity investor? Um, do they know what kind of return expectations I have? How do you justify um, saying uh, saying to someone, well, actually, this this um, does you know of a hundred percent of the purchase price of this business that I'd like to get involved in, and would you support me, please? I'd like you to pay one hundred and sixty percent because I want some extra. I've got no skin in the game myself, uh, and you know, by the way, I'm going to give you twenty five percent of the equity in return. That's obviously quite a good deal, isn't it? So. I think um, it missed the mark on a number of levels. And again, if you looked at my LinkedIn profile, maybe I'll put some links in the show notes so you can just see it. Um, it missed the mark on a number of different levels. You know, first of all, um, it, they say in, in normal sales, it takes about six contact points on average to achieve a sale. Um, some people may disagree with that. It's just some of, the, some of the statistics. And I guess for a more complex sale, it will be more contact points, of course. But if it's an investment proposition, it's likely to be at least double that. Um, it's you know going to be much more significant. It's a personal business that we're in, and if you're working with personal lenders, personal you know, equity partners, then it's about forming a relationship with them, understanding their needs, then getting comfortable with you, answering their questions. Um, you know, it, it takes time. It takes time to do this. So it's really difficult for someone just to pitch, if you like, in an email, and really expect to get a good result. I, I don't know how much you know success they'll get from that kind of approach. I think there's nothing wrong necessarily in saying, hey, I'd love to talk to you sometime if you have a minute. Uh, this is the sort of thing I have in mind without necessarily going into detail and you know, kind of a pro- um, pre-qualification uh, type of approach. But even then, I, sh- I, I would imagine that the, the, the percentage rate of success would be uh, relatively limited. So the point I'm really saying is that when we're looking for private finance, 
it's not really a scattergun approach that we need. It's a much more targeted approach. Now, we can talk and, and position ourselves and tell our story and talk about what we're involved in, and, um, and, and that's great. And what it will tend to do is it will attract people to us. Like attracts like, as I like to say. Too many likes in that sentence, I know. But like attracts like. So if we're putting ourselves out there, we're talking about what we're doing, we're talking about how we do it, we're talking about who we are as people, then inevitably we're going to get an audience who are going to be watching what we're doing. So, of course, if we know people in our inner circle, our communities, our friends and families, for example, we may be able to initiate conversations. Um, I'm going to say initiate conversations. I don't mean ask for money. That's not very uh, elegant way of doing things. I think if we initiate conversations, it's like, you know, talking about property, talking about investing, just generally having that that type of conversation, which I've done, um, you know, with certain people in my network. And, and what I tend to find is, you know, it's it's um, evolves over a period of time, and that period of time can be years, literally. So I think um, it's a case of you know just communicating, putting ourselves out there. If you've got any kind of public profile, pu- public presence, which could include social media, it doesn't have to be a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel or something like that. If we've got any kind of public persona, we can be talking about what we're doing, and people will be watching, and people will be observing. And those people, over time, if they decide that that's something that they'd like to pursue, they could reach out to us and connect and start a conversation. And I think um, where I'm going with this is, you know, it's a case of just being um, calm and relaxed when that happens, not being desperate um, and just waiting for those particular moments, putting ourselves out there, you know, putting our best foot forward, if you like, presenting ourselves in the shop window. And um, the phrase is attraction marketing. So we're just talking about ourselves. Uh, we're talking about the oppo- uh, pro- opportunities that we're involved in, the projects that we're involved in. And naturally, people will migrate to us if they resonate with us. And bear in mind, we can't resonate with everybody. Um, we are who we are. And some people are going to appreciate that and other people not necessarily quite so much. So I think it's a case of putting ourselves out. This is my philosophy. I'm sure other people have different approaches. But in my case, I think it's a case of putting ourselves out there and then we're going to get things back. So going full circle, so £5 million worth of investment, could I have done it differently, could I have done it faster? Um, yes, is the answer. If we're going to go down the peer-to-peer or crowdfunding route, then you know maybe it's 1000 here, 10000 there, 500 here, you know, um, 20000 there type of thing, and in which case, that's a very different kind of proposition. That's, that's more of a mass market type of um, proposition. But if you're talking about people are putting hundreds of thousands, half a million, up to a million uh, into your investment projects, then you know it's it's a it's a longer term relationship that needs to be cultivated. Um, people need to see you, to know, like, and trust you, and they and that usually takes a period of time to establish. So, I guess that's kind of the the summary. Um, you know, it's it's unscripted, as you might be able to gather this piece, this conversational piece. But I just wanted to share a little bit about. Being ready uh, for when opportunities arise, generally speaking, so that means having all our you know ducks in a row, so to speak. Part of being ready is having our financing in place, and part of having our financing in place is sometimes to have that you know private finance available to us, whether it's debt or indeed equity. And so, um, when we're coming on to the debt or equity, it's usually um, it's not so elegant to go knocking on people's doors and asking for money straight away. I've, I've experienced that so many times now and um, it just doesn't work frankly it just doesn't work 
Um, I, I, you know, very very rare that you see that kind of uh, situation. Of course, it'll make the uh, the news or the or the, the the social media feed if that's happened. Of course, it will. But generally speaking, I think it's a more of a slow burn, slow cooker. Um, you know, present yourselves in the best possible possible light. Be authentic. Be genuine. Be honest. You know, present the the data in the most efficient way. Be professional and be ready. So when that investor approaches you, that you may not even know that that's what they're doing. Um, I was reading a book recently. It says, "Don't judge who has money and who doesn't." Um, if people are connecting with you, you don't really know why they're doing it. Perhaps they're just asking for advice. Uh, perhaps they're just you know trying to find out who you are as an individual. So just being ready also counts with being ready to attract investment as well. So I know it's a um, it's a bit of a uh, loose one, but I think it's more of a conversational piece about being ready, having private finance, and then maybe how. Uh, some of the ways in which we can position ourselves so that we we can attract that private financing so that we we get the right sort of people around us. Just a few, doesn't need lots and lots of people, just a few really key people who we can then look after. And in my case, the three people I was talking about have reinvested their funds with me on multiple occasions. So um, that's another good thing that comes about it. So you can have deep relationships and a good connection and a good professional investor relationship over a longer and extended period of time, which is a much more efficient way of doing things in any case. So there we go. Hopefully that was interesting or helpful in some way to you. Um, I know that we're in these difficult times and I hope you and yours are doing okay and uh, bearing up in these difficult moments. Um, I've got one eye on the future. I'm hoping that future comes soon. I'm sure it's not going to be the same as it was. Um, I'm not sure if it ever will be the same as it was, but I hope you're doing okay. And I just wanted to share that particular piece with you today. So as I say, hopefully it was useful to you. But um, the show notes are going to be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. I nearly forgot my own website address there. Or you can email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, if you'd like to start a conversation. I look forward to hearing from you if that's the case. But I guess all that's left to say now is thank you very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's Jack. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.